you know, we, we do think there is a very high likelihood that we're, we're getting near a bottom in, in longer term bonds and, and that, that rates will likely pull off. But uh, that's more of a bounce than, than we think a structural bull market, uh, because we do think there is this, this big picture situation with debt and, and um, uh, fiscal issues that, that will, will provide a headwind probably for a dec you know, decade or two to come. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart, welcoming you back here at the end of the week. We're going to do a little bit of a wrap up of the market action this week, um, joined as usual by my good friends, John Lodra and Mike Preston, the two senior lead partners from New Harbor Financial, one of the financial advisory firms endorsed by Wealthion. Um, they prepared a fair amount of charts for us to dig into here. Really quickly, though, before we do, I'll talk more about this at the end. But I just want to remind folks, this today, this uh, interview is releasing is Friday, October 20th. Well, the next day, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, October 21st is Wealthion's online fall conference. So if you're watching this video when it gets released, you have less than 24 hours left to register for the conference if you haven't already. To go do that, go to wealthion.com slash conference and hope to see you there tomorrow. Fantastic lineup. Again, I'll talk about them in more detail at the end of today's discussion. Uh, but best faculty we've ever had probably couldn't be more timely than any other previous conference we've ever had. So hope to see you there. John and Mike, thanks for joining us. Um, guys, a fair amount going on this week. Um, John, I know you prepared some charts. Uh, how do you want to start? You want to start walking through the market action? Do you guys want to react to uh, the uh, interview with Lynn Alden the other day? Because I know that she had some points that that resonated with you guys. How do you like to begin here? Well, we didn't really hurt, uh, discuss this beforehand too much, Mike and I. But uh, you know, why don't we why don't we touch right in? I, I think it's always nice to finish on on kind of the market action and bringing it home to what we're doing uh, and seeing and, and doing for clients. Um, the, the headlines have been and remain, uh, even today, um, kind of the moves in interest rates. Um, many folks are, are well aware of this, even in their daily lives, folks, anybody looking for a home knows that, for example, mortgage rates have shot up dramatically. Uh, but this is all driven by what's been happening to, to treasury, uh, bond yields on the longer end of the curve. You know, we've known for better part of a year that the Fed has been aggressively hiking short-term interest rates on the, on treasury bills and things like that. Uh, but the longer end of the curve, longer, you know, 10, 20, 30 year treasury bonds is where we've seen the most action lately. And that action has been a very pronounced spike in, in interest rates. And, and therefore, the prices of those bonds have, have dropped rather precipitously. And uh, we, we count ourselves among the many folks in, in markets and, and investment management that have been humbled. You know, we waited um, quite quite uh, a while before even toe dipping in into the space. I'll just share a chart here of of a, an ETF that holds longer term tre treasury uh, bonds. This is TLT, which is uh, twenty plus year treasury bonds. Uh, and basically, you know, it it, it peaked at about one eighty in in early twenty twenty. That was in the the sell off of COVID. You can see a rather, I mean, a massive drop here. This this drop peaked to trough. Um, these are our monthly monthly bars, by the way. This drop peak to trough exceeds what the stock market dropped in the housing crisis. So it's a very per, uh, profound drop. You know, we started buying somewhere in, in this range, um, really for a shorter term tactical trade, because we, we did and continue to see structural issues in, in the as a hangover of over a decade of, you know, massive distortions by, you know, quantitative easing and things like that. Uh, but here we've had a dramatic further sell off, and that's because yields have, have risen. 
We got a we got a bounce earlier, you know, last week or so. Um, maybe a flight to safety trade, a little oversold bounce. But here we are today, testing new lows uh, on that. Ten-year uh, Treasury bonds have spiked uh, above four point nine, at least briefly. Um, so, so our discipline, of course, is um, you know we we do uh, acknowledge and, and, and adhere to you know buying things when they're oversold or considering them uh, to be bought. And we had a, a very oversold nature here. And these are you know two standard deviations. This purple line, two standard deviations around a a daily moving average. So you know anytime you get something uh, punching below that there's a probability that you get a quick snapback. And we did in fact see that here, but it's, it's rolled over. Um, you know, but I think um, just to tie, tie this bigger picture, there has been, you know, again, I think the real thing we need to focus on is not the, the spike, recent spike, but really the distortion that we've seen over the last decade. And, you know, I think uh, Sharon, a couple, and Lynn Alden spoke about this uh, tremendously, I think in the interview you did with her this week. Um, you know, we have a, a kind of an inflection point here. There, there is a, Tipping point, perhaps, in in terms of uh, total debt outstanding at at what are now much higher interest rates than than even a year ago, uh, and and you know, you're looking at um, foreign governments uh, buying less of our debt, defending their own currency. You know, there is a, a bit of a a, a a tectonic shift in in the landscape here, and I'll bring a couple of charts just to 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 bring that home, and then we'll kind of pause, and I'm sure we've got plenty to talk about there. But let me just uh, pull a couple of charts in to 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 drive that point home. So this chart, hopefully you can see, is, is just basically stating what everybody probably knows, but it's it's always eye-popping eye for me to look at in a picture. Basically, it just shows the, the pace at which uh, our debt, total debt, has outpaced GDP. This is actually a little stale because it's quarterly. Uh, we're over $33 trillion now and over uh, uh, to total outstanding debt. So that that's like a household really spending recklessly, and, and there's no end in sight um, from our eyes. In fact, uh, the projections for uh, budget deficits and, and debt issuance are, are pretty stark. Um, I want to kind of go on and look at a couple of the charts to tie this in. So this is a chart um, right from the Federal Reserve's website, and it basically shows two things. Uh, first of all, this, this blue line, and, and this is measured on this left axis, it shows the percentage of total U.S. public debt as a percentage of GDP. I'm sorry, the, the, the red line is on the left. That's total percentage uh, of debt, uh, percent of GDP. You know, here we are plotting around about 40%, got as high as, you know, above 60% in the 90s. And then, boom, we had a step change here in the in the wake of the housing crisis. And then, boom, in the wake of, of the COVID crisis. So we are now uh, firmly over 100% uh, debt to GDP. Uh, that is not good. <laughs> and and the, the end does not look like it's in sight in terms of how high that can go in the near term. The blue line um, is actually measured on, on the right scale. And that basically is the interest expense on that debt incurred by our government as a percentage of GDP. And that, again, is on the right scale. So in the, seven, in, in the um, 70s and 80s, when interest rates were really high, that was 3% GDP, higher than today. We're not quite 2%. But the big difference here is the total amount of debt outstanding was a fraction, uh, about half of what it got to here. Um, so, so I'm going to Tie that all together with one final chart, chart that our, our, you know, one of our heroes, John Hussman, put out in his weekly commentary this week. And this basically shows, you know, in looking at the total situation, interest rate plus total debt, he, he kind of, um, you know, uh, presents this in a kind of a hypothetical but very um, helpful construct and basically shows the burden as if this were a mortgage. And what would the mortgage payment look like? as a percent of GDP. So you combined, you know, a spike in yields with an absolute 
massive spike in total debt outstanding. And you see that the, you know, whether you've amortized it over 10 years or 30 years, there's a massive spike in the, in the total debt burden plus interest rate as uh, at ex interest expense as a percent of GDP. So I think that is, um, it, it ties into a lot of what Lynn Alden had talked about. You know, basically we have a, a situation where, you know, uh, probably similar to the 40s where uh, coming off a decade now, uh, we just had, you know, monetary policy dominance, all these experimental policies driving monetary you know, rates down to zero. And suddenly we're in a situation where we're, we're seemingly seeing a, a period of uh, fiscal dominance where spending and debt and all that stuff overwhelms what the central bank can and, and maybe wants to do. And that is very similar to in, in Lynn Alden's uh, example, the 40s, maybe even more so than the 70s. So, we're, you know, all to say is, um, you know, we, we do think there is a very high likelihood that we're, we're getting near a bottom in, in longer term bonds and, and that, that rates will likely pull off. But... Uh, that's more of a bounce than than we think a structural bull market uh, because we do think there's this this big picture situation with debt and and um, uh, fiscal issues that that will will provide a headwind probably for dec you know decade or two to come unlike the last four decades which is in you know, a bit of massive tailwind for stocks so I mean for bonds so I'll, I'll pause there it's a long-winded uh, you know diatribe there but uh, appreciate the patience no no very useful in that um that chart by Hussman did a really good job of showing how, um, you know, things are really starting to kind of get out of control, right? You know, the 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 the, the 2023 part of that chart was in record territory and the trajectory was steeply still going higher, right? And one important thing to know about government debt, just like corporate debt right now, is that uh, a, a lot of what's still outstanding is at low interest rates. And so as those mature, they're going to re-rate at much higher rates as, as long as rates continue to stay high, right? So that spike that we're seeing there at the end of 2023 should start leaping even higher in magnitude as more and more government debt comes up for maturity here. Um, it'll be a different story if and when, you know, rates start coming down again, but, you know, there's, there's no daylight on the horizon yet for that. So um, big issue. Um, yeah. And, and as Lynn said, to your point there about shifting from an era of sort of monetary dominance to fiscal dominance, um, as that debt, the cost of that debt, you know, the debt pile grows and it's you know, growing by leaps and bounds, as you said, as the cost of that debt becomes more expensive, which it's become tremendously more expensive, you know, interest rate wise over the past year, um, that leaves uh, a bigger and bigger hole in the, the federal budget right? Because the interest expense on, on the federal debt gets bigger and bigger, starts crowding everything out. And so the only response that, well, <laughs> the only response that that politicians are going to pursue, right? There's, they've got two choices, right? Which is basically do less, <laughs> right? Uh, or uh, they've got to just basically spend the difference. And that's what we're doing right now, right? That's why we have these massive fiscal deficits. And when I asked Lynn about this kind of battle we're seeing right now between you know, the monetary side trying to pump the brakes and the fiscal side trying to hit the accelerator, she was very confident in saying that she thinks the, the fiscal side is going to win that battle, which just means more and greater deficits, you know, for the for the greater future. That's how they're going to deal with this growing debt pile. You're nodding as I'm saying all this, John. Yep, that's, I mean, no one knows for sure, but there's a lot of signs that that's kind of what's playing out here. Okay. Um, so, John, you said that... Um, 
uh, you know, given that, 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 that outlook, which is, it's a present outlook, but it's really kind of a longer term trend that we're talking about. Um, I think that's what you're referring to when you're talking about, you know, an era of headwinds in front of us. Um, but it does sound like, you know, uh, a, a, in a secular trend, you can have lots of different cycles, right? Yep. And it sounds like you were saying in the bond market, you guys think that we are at, at a peak in terms of pricing and rates here, uh, cycle wise, and that you expect, you know, some relief coming forward. And that's why you're continuing to remain in the longer bond trade here, the TLT trade. Um, am I am I getting all that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We think there's probably going to be many tradable uh, movements in the bond market over the coming years versus the last 40 years. You basically just bought and held bonds and, and bonds and, and interest rates basically steadily declined and, and was, you know, probably a, a once in a, a generation bull market in bonds. Um, we think a total, total different picture lies ahead. And yeah, we think the, the near term yields are, are probably close to peaking, if, if not have already. Um, few weeks ago, we said maybe the 10 year gets to five, five and a quarter in, in an extreme scenario. Um, we're, we're close to five right now. And so we, we think we're in the vicinity of a near term uh, peak in, in interest rates and, and therefore, you know, pretty decent viable area here for, for bonds. You know, uh, there are enough vagaries here that we wouldn't say load up on 50, 60 percent bonds right now. Um, we have a, you know, 15, 10, you know, the seven and a half percent to 15 percent position of which we have half he hedged for the folks that have a larger position. So we're very comfortable with the position for where we are right now. But, um, you know, there's enough vagaries here that uh, we don't think, you know, moving to a, say, a 50 or 60 percent bond position makes makes a lot of sense right now. Okay. All right. Mike, coming over to you now. Um, I guess first, do you have any anything to add to the Lynn discussion above and beyond John's comments? Yeah, I guess just uh, as a quick maybe outline of what I'd like to chat about here, Adam, I'd like to, to make a few comments about Lynn's, Lynn Alden's talk, and her talk was great. Uh, then share a chart on Treasury bill or and Treasury bond rates. Just take a quick look at the yield curve. We get a lot of questions specifically about where exactly should you know, I, where, where should I put my cash? You know, what type of bond should I buy? I can, I can answer that in this, uh, in this video. And then just take a quick look at um, the, the charts of both the S&P and of gold. Gold has been making what I think is a stealth move lately. So um, those are the things I'd like to talk about and um, start with Lynn Alden, if I can. Go for it. So the things that I like that, that Lynn said, and I, I like everything that, that Lynn says, I, I really like the, the fact that she's so uh, analytical and technically based, um, yet she sees the big picture in, in an abstract way. Like I think that right. that we talk about here a lot of times. Yeah, and know? I know you guys like her because Lynn has an engineering background and, yeah. and you, John are, were engineers before you became financial advisors, correct? Yeah, I think that's probably why we resonate with with her because we've got the same type of mind. Um, she's very intelligent. Um, you know, the, and, and I'm just looking at my notes here. The things that I, that I wrote down that I really liked that she said, she, she talked about the fourth turning. We're in the middle of the fourth turning. Frankly, we're probably past the 50% point of the fourth turning. We have five or 10 years left um, in this fourth turning. And these are climactic times, times of maximum risk and change. And she says that major debt cycle infl and inflection points have coincided in history with fourth turning climaxes. It Obviously, it makes sense. You know, the Fed and every other central bank in the world is throwing everything in that they can, including the kitchen sink with no other plan. And so we're all kind of marching towards this climax. We don't exactly know what it is, but um, she said, when you're vulnerable, you're more likely to have bad things happen to you. 
you know, the things that you just showed, the chart that John showed, showing the the debt going absolutely vertical post 2013 uh, is not sustainable and it makes us more vulnerable, you know, particularly as we start to, you know, get, as you said, bond maturities, reinvesting those are those bonds at higher rates, the cost of the total debt goes up and up and up. All of this is kind of coming together in what is likely to be a climax of the fourth turning. We don't know exactly when or where, uh, but we do know the basic math that things are not sustainable. And so therefore, um, particularly in a time when there is an alternative, there's other things to invest in besides taking a lot of risk. So, you know, Lynn talked about the bond market. She's less bearish now than she was a year ago, probably because of the collapse or maybe even less bearish than she was um, six months ago. We are not raging bulls on the bond market, but we think that we've seen an absolute capitulation in the bond market the last couple of weeks. I don't know exactly where the bottom's going to be or where the high in yields are going to be. We're almost at five, uh, 10, I'm sorry, 5% on the 10 year bond. Maybe we touch it, maybe we don't. But you know, we like bonds up to about 15%, maybe 20% max if somebody really has a high risk tolerance in longer term bonds. And uh, treasury inflation protected securities are looking better. Uh, Lynn says this as well. We were looking uh, in our investment committee meeting over the last week or so, we were noticing that five, six year tips are up to, a, I think, two and 2.5 or two and change percent real return over five years. This is substantial. So uh, nibbling on those could be a decent idea. We tend to agree with her on that. Yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt there, Mike, but um, I, I've had a number of people on this channel recently talk about the relative attractiveness of tips. I yeah. think Victor Hagani, the guy who actually used to work for long-term capital management, uh, said that they're one of the best things that he sees on the horizon right now. It's hard to it's hard to deny, right? You're, you got a real yield approaching 3% over five years. Um, that's a whole lot different than what we were looking at just a couple of years ago, you know, with, with flat to negative real uh, returns across the board. You know, and don't forget that with these valuations, the S&P 500 or the Dow or the NASDAQ, whatever index you want to pick, almost certainly will return negative returns annually from here over the next decade. You know, we we often show charts from uh, John Hussman. I think John has some some others that he may may show later in the video. But and there's a lot of other sources, too, besides just Hussman's work that pretty much proves, in our view, that from these levels, there's no real there's no positive return. There's no nominal return either over the next 10 years. So when you see real returns that are rock solid guarantee, they start to look attractive. Um, Lynn also says, you know, she's she's bullish on gold and Bitcoin, negative on equities. I just said that we are too. And said, you know, treasury bills as well. You know, treasury bills. Our model is about half in treasury bills right now. Uh, I'd like to, this is probably a good segue into this particular chart I'd like to show. If you just give me a minute to get it up here so you know there is an alternative this is the treasury yield curve it's still inverted if you look down here it's this is the maturity so the one month treasury is 5.5 and change and there's actually slightly increasing here between one month and about four to six months the sweet spot in the short end right now is right about four months uh we actually just bought the four month bill today in our we have a a model which is treasury bill only that's for people that want to park cash we can just roll treasury bills for them 
And, you know, we, uh, when we look at buying new ones, we don't automatically buy ones that are one month out right now. We, we grab the four months. So yeah, anyone out there that's rolling T bills on their own, I know it's not a big difference, but you know, right now the four, the four month is the sweet spot. And you can see that the yield goes down as you go out from there. Not a lot. The two year, if you look here is still at 5.2, almost 5.2. So we're still above 5% on the two year. And so, you know, really, if you if, if you don't need the money in the next couple of years, you could really just pick anywhere in here, but I would probably be buying, you know, some four month and maybe a bigger chunk in two year, just if you don't need the money soon, just because, you know, short rates could come down quickly at any moment. Yeah. And hey, then, I, I, sorry for interrupting your mic, mm -hmm. but I, I just feel compelled to repeat myself uh, to what I said last week, which is, I just remember during 2022, right, when the markets were correcting both stocks and bonds, where I've, I lost count of the amount of people that came to me and said, I just want a place where I can get a 4% return on my money, a dependable 4% return. If I could get that for the rest of time, I would be thrilled, right? And they were you know, looking around nervously because almost all assets were coming down at that point in time. And they were kind of just begging me, you know, can you just point me to some sort of instrument where I could get a 4% return, you know, for the rest of time. And I just want to point out right now that those prayers have been answered. You know, you can get a long U.S. Treasury now for, you know, getting close to 5%. Um, you know, up to you and your financial advisor, whether that's the right move for you and how much of your portfolio should be in that. But just want to point out that people were begging for this a year ago. Now here it is. Absolutely. And while there's certainly risk going out further, take a look at the long end of this curve. You know, yes, it's still inverted in that the 30 year is yielding roughly, it looks like 0.65 or 0.7 less than the front end of the curve. That's what's called an inverted yield curve. It's a sign of a sick market slash economy that will probably uninvert at some day, uh, at some point. It certainly will uninvert. It always does. We just don't know when. But on the long end, past 12, uh, 10 years, take a look at this little knee right here, you know, this little hump right at the 20 year. So if you, if you don't have any longer term U.S. Treasury exposure, you could, and you're buying individual treasuries, you might consider the 20 year treasury, you know, or you can buy something like the ETF TLT, which has a whole bunch of individual bonds. I think it's like 37 bonds last time I looked that has a maturity right around 20, but, but here, um, yeah, there's there's a nice spot at the 20 year where you're at about 5.12% or something. So, yeah, absolutely it's very attractive. So, I I'll stop there and pause and I'd like to come back and maybe just talk about the the stock market and the gold market later. Okay. Um, well look, John, we'll, we'll ping pong back to you, ping pong back to you. I know John, uh, sorry, Mike mentioned uh some charts you may have from Hussman talking about expected future returns in the markets. Don't know if you want to go there next or not. But we'll ping pong back to you, and then we'll go back to you, Mike, and then I'll, I'll start wrapping up because we got to get ready for tomorrow's conference. Yeah, sure. We uh, we we might as well uh, show these charts from from Hussman, and and we're borrowing heavily. He put out his monthly commentary this week, so it's chock full of great great perspective. It's all data, not his opinion. It's actually black and white data. So we're we're very very big fans of his work, and he got a great shout out. Uh, about a week ago from Jeremy Grantham of GMO. Jeremy Grantham put out a great podcast uh, 
uh, it was on Spotify. I forget it was it was it recorded. Uh, I think it, it, it broadcast in the UK. I think where he he's originally from. Uh, but but he, he had a great great uh, podcast, and he did give a, a great nod to. In fact, he said Mr. Hussman puts out the best work out there in terms of the um, historical expor uh, exploration of uh, valuation levels and subsequent returns as a predictive uh, you know uh, variable for 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 future returns. And this next chart uh, speaks to that. So I'll share that. In hey, John, just just while you're bringing it up, um, I just want to let folks know. So we are all fans of John Hussman. Um, we actually all met John together years ago um, out in, in my neck of the woods uh, for a conference that ended with us all sitting around the fire with John while he pulled out his guitar. He's a great guitarist. Um, but John and uh, and Jeremy Grantham are actually quite good friends. They, they have a lot of professional respect for each other, but I think they also have a pretty good relationship. I'm bringing this up because I've mentioned to John that if he ever wanted to get in the same place with Jeremy, either physically or virtually, uh, to have a discussion that Wealthion would absolutely underwrite that meeting of the minds and would, would love to film it and bring our whole audience along for the ride. Uh, so folks, um, if that would be of interest to you, let me know in the comments section below. Um, I keep pinging John about it from time to time, but I can I can go ping harder if there's enough interest. Oh, that would that would be a fabulous uh, uh, get together if you could get the two of them together, Adam. And, and yeah, we did have a quite an enjoyable uh, uh, song jam session around the fireplace with, with John uh, several years ago. So I appreciate you raising that. So let me share this chart. Um, you know, basically this chart and, and this is all actual data. It's not anybody's forecast or opinion. And it goes back to 1928. And it basically looks at, you know, again, referring to Grantham's nod to Hussman, um, you know, one of the valuation metrics that he's done a, a lot of work on is this, this ratio called non-financial market cap over gross value added. Cut into the chase, that's a much more statistically reliable metric than almost any other valuation metric in terms of its st statistical correlation with actual future returns if you go back and look at history from 1928 to 23, about a 93% correlation, I think, um, which is about as good as you get in, in the stats world. And that's evidenced by this scatter plot. When you see a scatter plot that, that is this tightly core, um, wrapped around a, a 45 degree line, that's a pretty good uh, statistical measure. Um, so basically it shows on this axis, the higher this valuation uh, metric gets, the lower the actual subsequent 12-year returns in the S&P has been. And, you know, so for example, if you look at where we are right now, this historical relationship success suggests that, you know, we'd see a, a nearly a negative 4% annual return from the, these current levels held passively over the next 12 years. Now, John is also very careful to point out, this isn't a forecast. And in fact, you know, basically, um, if, if we don't get back to what you might call normal valuations, um, this 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 forecast would be unduly harsh, but it also means the forward projected returns um, shouldn't be, for example, 10% annual expectation, like many people are destined to believe they're 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 going to achieve. In fact, you can use this same chart and say, okay, if we if we assume 10% annual returns, history would suggest that would be consistent with a valuation metric of about 1.0, which is you know I think about 60 plus percent below where we currently are. So that that's a very tight historical relationship. Right. That, now, that's an S and P with a two handle on it, right? Exactly. It's it's around two thousand, um, you know, give or take, maybe a little below two thousand. 
Um, so actually, so, you're right. It would be below 2,000 if yep. it was 60 percent. Yeah. So that's all predicated us coming back to what you might consider normal valuations. It's entirely possible that we don't, uh, but you also shouldn't expect very uh, good forward returns. You should expect very dismal returns if we don't fall back to that. Um, and I just want to tie it together with one other chart here because this brings into the the, the comparative of stocks and bonds. So this chart, again, a scatter uh, scatter plot, which is pretty tightly um, scattered around this this 45 degree line, basically shows um, the estimated 10 year re excess return of the S&P 500 in excess of treasury bonds. In other words, how much do we predict? Does, does this model predict stocks will exceed treasury bond returns? And in fact, and, and, and this is the actual experience of, of 10 year versus treasury bonds. So right now, this is projecting that stocks will underperform treasury bonds by about six and a half percent over the next decade. That's pretty stark, but uh, it really just another way of saying how, how overvalued the stock market is. So the bond market has repriced in a very meaningful way um, for these higher interest rates. Our contention is that the stock market has has barely wakened up to, uh, to, to that reality yet. And, you know, this is not so much a, a statement that you should be loading up on bonds with reckless abandon. To us, it's it's a challenge to, you know, if you think about the you know typical 60-40 portfolio, we think both the, the stock and bond components of that should be significantly underweighted, um, but especially the stock part. So but especially the stock the side. Yeah. about bonds, you know, should at the same breath be very cautious about stocks because of this historical relationship. Super important. So, John, do me a favor, just for the non-mathy oriented, uh, just head back to the previous chart for a second. Sure. So this is just saying that prices have reached such high levels of valuation that according to this model, which is built from all this historical data, um, suggests that for the next 12 years, the market should return on average a negative 4% return, right? So, you know, more than a lost decade in the stock market. Now, of course, it's probably not going to do that consistently. You're probably going to have some big up years, some big down years, but the net effect will be as if the market declined 4% a year each year for the next 12 years. Um, yeah, and, so, why, and why is that? It's because valuations are on this metric have only been seen this extreme twice in the very long history here, 1929 and the very top of the tech bubble peak. We're even far eclipsing where we were in 2007 before the over 60% peak to trough decline in the in the stock market during the housing bust. So uh, as absurd as this, this sounds, that's exactly what happens, or historically anyways, when you get to absurd valuation levels. Great. So this chart is just a huge blinking warning signal that says stocks are way too overvalued and they may correct. The second chart you had there was basically saying um, that to a certain extent, bonds have corrected. Um, so from a risk return basis, they're probably much more attractive right now. Do they have further down to go? Maybe that's a different discussion. But it's definitely saying relative to bonds, stocks are super uh, overvalued. Um, and so if you, again, have a blended portfolio, if you're going to be lightening up on something, you really should be looking to lighten up on stocks first, given this high level of overvaluation. Okay, you're nodding yeah, as I'm saying all this. That's exactly what that data would suggest and tell you. Okay, great. All right, Mike, I'm going to bring it back to you to wrap things up before I give the details of the conference, and then we'll start getting ready to uh, spend something like 10 hours straight together <laughs> on Zoom tomorrow for the live event. All right, great, Adam. I'm going to keep it pretty 
pretty short here because as you say we've got a lot to do and we're going to be talking all day on on uh, saturday but which is tomorrow uh, by the time this comes out but here's a here's a daily chart of the s p i just wanted to give people an idea of what we're seeing right now it, it is still very much a mixed bag this is a daily chart of the s p and you know if i back up just a little bit to the weekly chart we had this relatively tame decline last year followed by really just a straight up 45 degree bounce from October of last year. But we are not above the high that we saw on January 4th, 2022, 48.18.62. We came within about 78 or 80%, I think, maybe a little bit more Fibonacci retracement. And then since then, it's been a few weeks down, a couple of weeks up few weeks down, a couple weeks up. So this has been higher lows, I'm sorry, lower lows, lower highs since July. So July 24th. And here we are, October um, 20th, I guess, as, as of when this airs. I mean, basically three months later and the market is down. I mean, everyone is still asleep. This market has not taken out the high almost two years ago now. It's been a very thin market this whole year, only seven stocks. In fact, just go, let me change the symbol a little bit. Here's the equal weighted S&P 500, basically flat on the year. Here's the Russell 2000, flat on the year. It's really just the S&P. The S&P is up you know, 10, 11%. And here, again, is the weekly bounce. The last three weeks, you know, relatively weak bounce, but it's hanging in there. I move back to the daily. Here's the head and shoulders top that we keep talking about on the daily. The left shoulder, the head, two right shoulders. We broke through the neckline, which in my opinion is this line right here. You know, we went down for about two weeks. We recovered back to the line and here we are just sitting here between the 50, which is the red line and the 200 day moving average. And then the, our, our own indicators are a mixed bag. Our shorter indicators are reversing to the upside. Um, telling us that you know if we break out of this consolidation, we could be in for a bullish ride for a few weeks or a few months. But it's really a mixed bag. If we break down here, I, you know, I think we're coming right down to forty one hundred, and then and then more. That would be the short term target, forty one hundred. So, you know, be be cautious. We you know we're nibbling on a couple hedged ideas here and there, but by and large, our equity exposure is still quite low. Um, and we're very well hedged and we have, you know, close to 50% cash equivalent. So that's the S and P let's see what the, the rest of this week and, and next week brings. And then lastly, I'd like to just close with gold. I'll use GLD as a proxy. Now gold, this is a daily chart is up on the year a little bit. It looks to be up around almost a hundred dollars on the year. It had this disappointing breakdown on the daily chart. And then we just kind of went vertically here the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's because of the things that are going on in the Middle East, but it's had this kind of stealth move all while the dollar has been getting stronger. Let me move out a little bit, move out to the weekly or actually even the monthly chart. Let's just talk about it in the big picture. Now, here's gold on the monthly chart. Big consolidation over 11 years sideways movement here one two three tops we keep talking about it we think that the, the the triple top will be taken out and look what happened here last month we had a breakdown but it was a fake out we've immediately reversed it this next month and i believe 
if we go a little higher, you know, gold is spot gold is like uh, you know higher than this right now, close to 1950 or so. This happens to be GLD. But we go a little bit higher here, we're going to be knocking on the door of these triple tops. And if that happens, we will once we break through there, we should go right up to around 2500. If you take a look at what's happening to the dollar during that same time, you know, take a look at the dollar on a monthly chart. We're almost back to the old high. And for gold to be knocking on the door of the upside or the the the, the peak or the roof of that triple top while the gold dollar's been getting stronger, I think is really, really bullish. And um, and not a lot of people are talking about it yet. So I think it's a good sign. We'll see. I think, we're, we're I think it's the, really good to note here, right? Which is historically higher dollar um, and higher uh, yields generally tend to pull gold lower. And with gold performing, you know, hanging in there as much as it is with those two you know, very substantial headwinds, it begs the question, well, gosh, if the dollar hits a period high and starts weakening, and obviously if yields start coming down, will that switch that headwind into a tailwind for gold? And if gold's near its all-time highs when that tailwind starts to kick in, well, where does it take it from there? But arguably likely substantially higher. Exactly how we look at it. All you right. Set it perfectly. Well, look, um, I'm going to tease you guys here a little bit. So um, I just recorded Tom McClellan's section for tomorrow's conference. Um, Tom McClellan, one of the most respected uh, technical analysts alive today. Uh, his family is the developer of the McClellan Oscillator. Um, Tom is great. And I, I know you guys saw the previous interview that I did with Tom. Um, so you know what a great explainer he is. Um, but he's got a number of charts that are just spooky. Uh, in their level of correlation um, to one another. And basically what he likes to do is he likes to look at these highly correlated data series where um, the correlation shows up when you time shift them. So you'll find you have these assets that lead other assets by months or quarters, or in some cases, years. And like I said, the correlation is super spooky. So you can see something that an asset did a year or two ago that basically predicts how the, the other asset is going to perform two years later, right? So um, he's got some charts about the stock market itself. And um, let, me, um, let me tease you all by saying this. Um, he says that 2024 basically is the year that the wheels come off, right? And his charts tell him when in 2024 that's going to happen. I'm not going to share that detail here because I want folks to go and see that itself uh, at the conference. Um, but uh, I will give a quick nod, guys, where you know he, his, his chart shows that the market's probably not going to roll over this year, according to his indicators. Um, of course, anything's possible, but um, he's much more prepared for, for that you know, rollover moment to happen in 2024. And again, like I said, he's got a very strong sense of when it's going to be. Uh, if you're curious to find out, watch the uh, conference tomorrow. Um, all right, guys. Well, look, um, thanks so much, John and Mike. Um, for everybody else watching, um, again, please, if you're thinking about coming to the conference, uh, register now because you literally only have hours to do so. Very quickly, let me uh, just summarize uh, the faculty that we have there. It's really the best we've ever had for one of these events. Um, it'll be kicked off by Lacey Hunt uh, with his keynote, just packed with uh, Lacey's famous charts. If you've watched one of our uh, conferences before, you know that Lacey's you know, opening remarks are worth the entire price of the conference in and of themselves. Uh, after he presents, uh, he's then going to come on for live Q&A. So you, the audience, will be able to ask him whatever questions you want to. 
Uh, he'll be followed by James Grant, who's going to talk about where he sees interest rates headed from here. Michael Kantrowitz is going to come and present on his HOPE framework, you know, which tracks how we fall into recession. So he'll be telling us where we are on that timeline. And you can bet we're going to be doing a deep, deep dive on the E part of that HOPE framework, which really is the last remaining bulwark between us and recession, the employment market. Uh, so we'll go deep into uh, Michael's data around that. Uh, Kyle Bass is going to talk about uh, our top geopolitical trends that uh, are likely to affect the global economy next year. And of course, that's even more important of a topic now that uh, we've had these recent tragic events in the Middle East. Ivy Zellman will be talking about the housing market. Uh, she is is substantially more pessimistic on it than I've ever seen her before. Once she's done, we're going to have... Um, uh, uh, Melody Wright, housing analysts Melody Wright and Amy Nixon come on and they'll take uh, all of your questions about housing. Um, we'll have uh, Tom McClellan, like I talk about, giving his full technical analyst outlook about where he sees markets headed. We'll have Stephanie Pomboy. She'll be talking about how uh, the forces of inflation and deflation are likely to resolve next year. Mike Leibowitz is going to be on, going to do a super deep dive into the bond market. He'll then come back on, answer any questions you guys have about bonds. Uh, then we'll walk into energy and we'll have uh, Doomberg talk about kind of the global energy uh, dynamics that are going on right now. And then we'll hand the baton to Justin Hewn, who will talk specifically about opportunities for investing in nuclear. Nuclear energy is a huge part of the mix, as Doomberg is going to make uh, in his presentation. But then Justin will actually tell you how to take actionable steps on it. We'll also have uh, famed natural resource investor Rick Rule there. And uh, Rick just gives, I can't, I've lost track of how many dozen uh, specific companies that he names that are on his uh, preferred list. So if you're you know, looking for individual companies to go out and uh, consider, uh, Rick gives you probably more than you're, you're going to be able to take. Uh, and then obviously throughout the day, we'll be joined by uh, John and Mike, the team there at New Harbor. Uh, we will end the day as we usually do with these conferences with um, live Q&A, an hour of just ask anything live Q&A, where the audience can ask whatever they want of our uh, endorsed financial advisors. So that's John and Mike, that's Lance from RIA, that's Jonathan Wellam from Rocklink up there in Canada. And if there's any time left over, um, I'm going to see if I can't pull in Craig Wishner, Managing, uh, Managing Director of Farmland LP, to give us an update on uh, farmland as an investment class um, and I know that's a topic a lot of people have been asking for. So it's a jam-packed schedule, but if we're able to shoehorn in, in we will. Uh, lastly, uh, everybody who registers, whether you watch or not, one, you'll get all the replay videos of everything I just mentioned, but you'll also get a bonus video from Jeff Clark, uh, where he'll be detailing out uh, his latest top picks for um, the precious metals mining companies that are burning most brightly in a positive way on his radar. Uh, so that's a big mouthful. Uh, everybody, it's going to be an amazing day tomorrow. Uh, for those of you that are already registered, can't wait to see you there. If you just are one of the procrastinators who haven't taken action yet, well, you only got a couple more hours left. So go do it. To go get uh, to go register and get your ticket, go to wealthion.com slash conference. All right, John and Mike, um, thanks so much for hanging in there, buddies. Um, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Everybody else, look forward to seeing you at the conference. Thank you so much, Adam. Looking forward to Saturday. We always get a, a huge amount of learning, even even us who are plugged into this all day, all day and night in our in our daily life. So looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow, Adam, with uh, both you and all your attendees and your special guests. So thank you very much. All right, guys, take care. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to wealthion.com. 
These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth and because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration, looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type, the kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, and when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the USA. But for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right, with all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to Wealthion.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching.